Dandying up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, episode 540, coming to you on December the 1st, the year of our Lord, 2023. And today I'm not going to talk about just one book, but I'm going to actually talk about three books that are, well, I guess technically four books that are interrelated by a single author, and all of them are tilting towards the way of how you can protect your freedom, how you can utilize your liberty without crossing lines, without getting yourself in more trouble than it's worth. Before we get there, let me remind you the best way you can help me continue to grow the show, continue to make a difference, and quite frankly, defend the Republic, save the Republic every day, Monday through Friday at least, (laughs) uh, is to like, share, and subscribe to this program. Yes, it, it makes a difference. And follow me on your favorite social media. I am on the Facebook. I've got a page. I've got a group. On top of that, I go visit Gab and MeWe. And for now, apparently, uh, most of my uh, shows are still up on YouTube. Come and join me. And if you're feeling particularly motivated... Or helpful, if you will, rate and review this program. Again, every little bit helps. Every new download, new listen, however you want to phrase it, makes a difference. My four listeners are extremely tired at this point. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I've got, uh, I think I'm north of 225,000 downloads now for this program. And I appreciate all the effort, all the work that. Uh, the people out there are doing help me uh, continue to build the program. Uh, I'd like to tell you my goal is two hundred and fifty thousand before the end of the year. I think that's very doable. Uh, that gives me thirty days, probably about twenty some episodes, uh, and I'm sitting at about uh, two twenty six, I believe, at this point. So it's very doable. That's the goal. Let's let's uh, let's get this done. And here we go on with the show. Okay. So I need to preface this way back about 25 years ago. That'd be about 1998 for those of you that didn't do the mental math. I stumbled across an author with a non plume of Claire Wolf. Now at this point, I would have probably still been far more uh, libertarian and uh, not a, how shall I say it? Not an all in Republican, if you will. I am still Mr. Liberty in the Republican Party. I, I still want, I I, I got to say, I wouldn't even, well, I shouldn't say it that way. The guy that spurred me to get in the Republican Party was none other, or I should say get active in the Republican Party. It's probably the better way to phrase that. It would be none other than Ron Paul. And Ron Paul is uh, the eminent Liberty Republican. I, I, I can honestly say that his, uh, Two or three successors uh, have a heavy mantle upon them, and I wish them well in Congress, that being his son and Thomas Massey. And then, of course, the other guy, uh, Justin Amash, he kind of ran himself into some trouble. But these are the guys that carried on when Dr. Paul retired. That being said, there are lots of uh, writers, motivators, people that are deeply involved with the Liberty movement that really care about what you're doing. So 
Now I will tell you, I honestly don't remember the year the book came out. I want to say it was 1999, but don't quote me on that. Uh, it, it could it could indeed have been uh, 1998. I think it might have been 1998. In any case, the disclaimer in the in the beginning of the book for the the follow up, and I'll, I'll get there in just a minute. And I and I want to put this disclaimer out. Before the book is sold for informational purposes only, neither the author nor the publisher will be held accountable for the use or misuse of information contained in this book. (laughs) I mean, talk about an intro. Okay. So the, the first book, right? Well, actually I'll just read you the back page. Let's do that. The clodhoppers of tyranny stomp on the toes of innocent people every day from flat out prohibitions of peaceful activities to flagrant invasions of privacy to the not so subtle erosion of constitutional freedoms. But it's still not time to take down the scoundrels. Not yet. Author Claire Wolf has come up with another batch of ideas to counteract the abuses of government and private agencies so routinely practice. In the follow-up to her widely popular 101 Things to Do Till the Revolution, she provides more ways to monkey wrench a system that keeps citizens in a stranglehold. She teaches how to prepare for a truly independent lifestyle and imparts the further insight on how to liberate people from the powers that be. How would you fare in the frog boiling challenge? How can you stay out of the Snoopy databases? What should you do when you've got an itch to write another useless letter to your Congress critter? How can you acquire firearms without ending up on a government list? (laughs) Is there any way to tell if a supposed friend is really a government snitch? You'll find all that and more in Don't Shoot the Bastards Yet, 101 More Ways to Salvage Freedom. So this this is actually the book in hand here. And freedom fighter Boston Tea Party writes the introduction. I think she's onto something. She has grasped the current stage of our struggle for mental defiance coupled with the beginning of real action. You can wax on about freedom. You can whine about government rules, but the only way to change the way things are is to take action against the tyranny traipsing all over American lives. This book is the best place to start. So the book I actually have in hand is the follow-up. Don't shoot the bastards yet. 101 more ways to salvage freedom. Now, interestingly enough, I lent out my copy of the first book, 101 things to do until the, or till the revolution. Uh, the person that I lent it to apparently lost it or forgot that it was not his book. And here's the thing. I hold no grudge because there was a third book written. <laughs> uh, that's worth your review as well. And quite frankly, the title just escaped my mind. Give me just a second here. The Freedom Outlooks or Outlaws Handbook. And I believe it's 179 things to do until the revolution. So, again, the the follow-up book, right, is the 101 more. I think there's some overlap and some culling that went on in the Outlaw's Handbook, which combined the two into a much uh, more, let's call it, universal book. Also very good. And everything is... F- set in here as little vignettes almost of what you can do, what you should do. And it, it takes it from a stage of things that you can do that don't create issues for yourself 
all the way to things that eh, you probably want to be really careful how you do it and how you talk about it. Now, that being said, the fourth book, not directly related to this, but we'll call it a fictional application of the very things being taught or demonstrated in the three other books, right? 101 things to do um, before the, till the revolution. And then the follow-up, don't shoot the bastards. And then of course the freedom outlaws handbook, all three of those are directly related and talk about the same things. And they just kind of got tweaked going forward. And this is the early 2000s. And thinking back to the early 2000s, well, actually, it's before the early 2000s. It's before 9-11 to some degree. This is stuff they're seeing 25 years ago. And they're telling people, hey, guys, we're already at the precipice here. You might want to start thinking about how you want to handle these things. And now, unfortunately, we didn't listen. Clearly, we didn't listen. Because after these books, the first two were written, we still passed the Patriot Act. We still passed the National Defense Authorization Act. We we have all of these five I systems, if you will, arrayed against us. They're not there to protect us. They're there to protect government. They're there to build government. They're there to, quite frankly, trample all over us. There is very little that is actually done by our government that is actually to the benefit of we the people. Now, I'll say this. Libertarians get this. Liberty activists get this. Anarchists get this. They all understand it. Now, you don't have to agree with them. You don't even have to be comfortable with some of the things that they talk about or advertise or suggest. But you do need to understand that without these people, without the canaries in the coal mine, if you will, we'd all be dead. And it seems to me that it would be very much in our best interest to start listening because we are running out of time. It is, it is really self-evident at this point. Even my fellow Republicans, whom a good number of them are not actually Liberty Republicans. They're, they're not pro-freedom individuals. They're small government. They are, uh, what I would call a constitutional conservative, which in theory is for small government and pro-liberty, not always. There are obviously neocons. There's obviously big government conservatives all intermixed in the Republican Party. And there's room enough for all of us there. But what I really encourage and need to see is these guys that trust government, the goo-goos, if you will, good government times, that they seem to understand at some point we're beyond the point of no return. We're, we're not in a good situation. And, and these books at 20, 25 years old, we're spelling it out back then where we were and where we were going. And interestingly enough, a lot of people just didn't listen. They, they don't, they don't comprehend where we're at now. Now I, I'm going to read you an excerpt here, right? We'll call this, uh, well, she it's in chapter one, but it's number 10. Okay. 
for those of you who that should track this book down, I, I believe it's out of print. Uh, Luponics Internet or Unlimited was the publisher, and they have since shuttered themselves, which is a shame. Number 10 goes with, why should they stop when nobody punishes them? And this is important to me specifically because this is referencing something that happened in Texas, right? So here we go. With every federal outrage that blats across the media, I become more convinced of one thing. Government agencies will never stop being abusive because no one forces them to stop. Few individual agents are ever held accountable for their actions. There is no price to pay for doing evil. Theoretically, the justice system is there to make <clears throat> sure wrongdoers are pub- or punished and to deter others from thinking they can get away with the same crimes. In reality, the justice system generally protects the lords of government and crushes those who fight them. Little goat herder Ezekiel Hernandez bleeds to death in a Texas wasteland while his killers, the U.S. Marines, stand around watching. No charges were ever brought against them. The butchers of Waco walk free while the survivors of Waco languish in hellish prisons. Vicky Sammy and Stryker Weaver lie dead while Lon Horiochi, Horiochi, whoever, enjoys his independence and Larry Cooper gets an award for shooting Sammy in the back. A federal judge in dismissing the charges against Horiochi even declared that no federal employee on duty has to obey any state law ever. Think about that the next time you're facing a Fed. Yes, in the Weaver and Hernandez cases, the government paid millions in reparations, but who felt any personal sting? Who received any lesson in humane conduct? Nobody. The individual doers and those that want to emulate them learn the opposite. They learn they are free to harm anyone they wish as long as they're on duty. Why should they stop? What possible motivation is there for government agents to behave in any other way than horribly? Congress won't stop them. The courts won't. We must or we will be crushed like bugs or they'll feed us the bugs. That was my insert. Sorry. The only obstacle now is finding the appropriate way to halt their depredations. It is not an easy problem, but it's all one freedom lovers should be working to solve. This is a insert here. We are fast approaching the stage of the ultimate inversion, the stage where government is free to do anything it pleases while the citizens may act only by permission, which is the stage of the darkest periods of human history, the stage of rule by brute force. Ayn Rand, the nature of government. So, I mean, this is just a little taste, right? And I got to be honest, I'm going to have to go back and reread this now because I had forgotten just how much was packed in these books. I'm going to probably just jump to the Freedom Outlaw handbook. I would suggest you go buy it. I think you can still find it on Amazon. And if you can't, find it somewhere else. And and if you think I'm overstating this, you think I'm maybe crossing a line here, I'll be the first to admit, I'm not willing to, quote, pull the trigger. I'm not willing to cross the line. But I need to get my mind in a place where I fully understand where the enemies are. They're domestic enemies at this point. I fear them far more than some dude in a cave 5,000 miles away. I I fear them more than somebody that's got something wrapped around their head and may have an AK 
I, I fear them because they have no consequence. There's nothing that you can do. And even if you should stop them, even if you should cross the line, it'll be you and your family that pay the ultimate price. Not that guy. At least you have a fair fight or at least a nominally fair fight against some dude with something wrapped around his head carrying that AK or the grenade or whatever. You've got a fair fight against that guy, at least in theory. Unfortunately, at this point in time, I believe that the government agents would actually prevent you from defending yourself before they would disarm or defend against the foreign invaders. But that's just just me. All right. I'm going to I'm going to read you I guess the table of contents for just chapter 1 to give you a little taste. Question the fundamentals or question fundamentals. A correspondent observes the law. A small rant about the nature of office holders. Government supremacist, the power of words. The good, albeit dead, side of Marbury versus Madison. Are you aware of what that is? You should check it out. Stay out of the deadbeat dad's database. Databases and your children's health. Private privacy. Listen up, you state governments. Why should they stop when nobody punishes them? Again, that's what I just read. Take the frog boiling challenge. Danger. Don't touch. Don't breathe. Don't join lobbying groups. Bad cop. No donut. Don't waste time worrying about legislation. Things to do while fighting the urge to write the Congress critters. History of the income tax. No, not this income tax. Overcoming inertia. Most important freedom-fighting weapon to acquire. Yes, I really meant that about your TV. All that ever needs to be said about racism. A retraction. Small steps. Secrets of the conspiracy revealed. The Chernovalsky method. Police annoya. Or boy, these guys sure give us some great ideas. Everything you need. The joys of being independently poor. Your banker is not your friend. Hey, they'll do it to you. I mean, that's just the first 67 pages of stuff. Again, I can't say this clearly enough. I mean, this is my show. The show is based upon my opinion. I've prefaced that uh, every couple of shows just to remind people that the reason it's called According to Callus is to clearly state that. And I would never advocate anybody purposely go do something to get themselves in trouble. That's just bad thinking, bad idea, whatever you want to call it. But at some point, we have to recognize, we have to recognize that not only are there foreign enemies, there's domestic enemies. And when they won't follow the rules, when they won't obey the highest law in the land, when they decide they can do whatever they want and never, ever face consequences, at some point, you, my dear friends, ladies and gentlemen, need to consider whether or not you should continue to work for the system, with the system, and in the system. And I got to tell you, that's my biggest struggle. I, I'm all in on the system right now. I'm trying my level best to work within the Republican Party to get things done that Republicans and I completely agree on and that there's positive steps forward in protecting liberty, advancing freedom, and quite frankly, reeling in the abuse of state. Now, I don't know if I'm going to be successful, and I don't know that we're going to ever really win, at least on this lifetime on this earth, but I do know that I'm going to continue to fight the good fight. I want you to come and join me fighting the good fight. I want for you to put in the effort now, to do as much as you can now, to fight the fight now, 
before we reach the point of no return officially, before things get kinetic. If you don't know what that means, you'll have to look that up. Before it's all over. I'm not, I'm not happy about it. I'm not trying to scare anybody. As a matter of fact, I'm trying to encourage you that it is still winnable. There is still a good way to fight back without crossing lines that cannot be forgiven. There is still a way to make a difference. There is still an opportunity to fight the good fight and stay above board. Now, before I, uh, before I wrap up this episode, since I have plenty of time, I'm going to take a few minutes to read the introduction because I think this is helpful and it's written by none other than Boston Tea Party. Now, I want to say this. You may remember that title because yes, this gentleman has written other books. I've reviewed at least one of them. So he is a liberty advocate going way back. So, and again, I want to be honest, a number of these people have burned out or they faded out, or quite frankly, they probably checked out and went to their hidey hole because they realize that for them, the battle is over. They weren't successful, but they fought the good fight. They, they are taking the respite that they so desperately earned in my opinion. So here we go with the introduction. In the arena of ideas, women have historically fought mightily alongside men. Throughout the 20th century struggle for the quality of liberty by won by the Revolutionary War, it has been our fortune to have experienced the chromatic female mind of certain women who joined the literary fray. The names of Rose Wilder Lane, the discovery of freedom. Isabel Patterson, the god of the machine. Ayn Rand, Atlas Shrugged, and etc. Taylor... Caldwell, Devil's Advocate, etc., and Win- Wendy McElroy are all probably already well-known and loved by many of you. To the above, I would add the name Claire Wolf. I'm sure you agree after reading Don't Shoot the Bastards Yet, 101 More Ways to Salvage Freedom. When I read her first book, 101 Things to Do Till the Revolution, I was knocked out of my mind's chair. There was something fresh, well-seasoned. Her line, America is at that awkward stage. It's too late to work within the system, but too early to shoot the bastards is undoubtedly one of the best or very best summation of Liberty's predicament and is destined to join the ranks of immortal quotes such as Jefferson's Tree of Liberty or Henry's, or give me death. She encapsulated many of our my own thoughts and conclusions, and to read them in somebody else's book was simultaneously gratifying and eerie. Less personally put, I think she's on to something. She has grasped the current stage of our struggle. Fermental defiance coupled with the beginning of real action. One of my goals as an author is to create more of a synthesis between conservative Republicans, libertarians, and patriots who lean towards populism. In a nutshell, I'd like some patriots to grow some brains, the libertarians to grow a gonad, and the conservative republicans to grow both. (laughs) Those of us who profess to love freedom are probably in roughly 75% agreement, yet we fight over the remaining 25%, which are mood items unless we achieve political power. Hmm. Seems to me somebody else has talked about similar things. Oh, I digress. 
Uh, I get the sense that Claire Wolf is also trying to meld a, such a synthesis. Libertarians, for example, are divided in two camps, which I've named egghead libs and action libs. Over the Manhattan quiche, egghead libs endlessly ponder the philosophical immorality of coercive, ta- coercive, <laughs> coercive taxation to pay for the urban rat control in New York, etc., etc., etc. Truly, it has reached the point of intellectual masturbation. They are their own Franciscan monks pontificating whether or not Jesus owned the cloak on his back instead of actively evangelizing the gospel, instead of embracing or at least blindly supporting the modern movements of untaxation, sovereign citizenship, and the militias, the egghead libs are very plainly distanced themselves from all that rabble. Now, I think, oh, I'm sorry. I think egghead libs secretly know or at least suspect that they'll never be hosting an inaugural ball and therefore constrain the urgent business of freedom to mere thought and word. They have perfectly dressed up a mannequin of liberty with a splendid attire of Rand and Rothbard or the black leather of Spooner and Knock for that badass look. They even go so far as to carry on conversations on it in the form of cyber communities and other schemes of virtual freedom. It all reminds me of children playing hospital. It's great fun, but at the avoidance of real issues of life and death. And he's got a thing here. Note, I've... I've nothing inherently against cyber libs. In fact, I've been tinkering with my own ideas on virtual freedom. Although it's fine to have one's frothy little head in the clouds, one's feet are best left on the hard ground of reality. And my point here is that thought in a political context is a means to the end of action. And most freedom activists have forsaken the cold, tough environment of action for the warm, safe bed of thought. This explains why they are not feared and hardly noticed by the demo publicans and the corporate fascists. People all snugly under their own bed covers are no threat to them. Exhibit A. At a 1997 Colorado Libertarian Party convention, a women's panel explained why why the party did not attract so many women. Although the replies from the dozen or so ladies were resounding full, tactful, sweetly diplomatic, the truth was, however, clearly audible to all those present. Libertarian men are usually wimps. Conclusion, lady libs are looking for action lib men. Exhibit B, at a recent libertarian gathering, one of the keynote speakers, a veritable giant in the libertarian movement, waxed beautifully about how technology was going to save all our freedoms. He posed the hypothetical example of wringing every convicted felon's ankle with a locating device when tracked in real time by satellites. Then when a mugging occurs, the police simply round up the witnesses nearby the ground the bad guy is shown to have been in the area of the assault. While the room nodded in agreement, I blew an O-ring. Hey, Charles, why not carry a gun and shoot the mugger? About a third of the attendees laughed, chuckled, clapped, and the rest sat there in silence, horrified. Charles stammered that he'd take questions at the end of the talk. When I walked out, muttering something about delay, about the deadliest form of denial. Claire Wolf, an action lib, would have stood her in her chair whistling. Action libs have had their egghead stage, and grew out of it. They understand that liberty is a rough business, never completed, and ultimately requires, after some point of no return, a resolution of armed defiance, and a few desolators of spilled blood. There has never been any other way to pure tyranny, and there never will be. Oh, prune tyranny, excuse me. And there never will be. PGP and cyber money are all fine tools to enhance liberty, but they are no substitute for a well-sorted out, righteously indignant 
locked and loaded American who proclaims no further. Miss Wolf not only knows this down in her Jeffersonian socks, but has the embarrassing termidity to loudly proclaim such far and wide. During the years of the Berwyn Wall, one East Berliner quipped, everyone has his bags packed mentally, but nobody has done anything more than talk. Claire Wolf is through with merely talking about packing her bags for the promised land of Gulch Gulch and is coloring the road map while her Casper Milk Toast compatriots wrestle over such burning issues as Bastide, objectivist or libertarian. It's Bastiad, sorry. <laughs> her books are long overdue, slap in the face and command, oh, shut up and get in the car. Don't shoot the bastards yet. Just might reach the Randus inverted meritus. For these, for those of you actually sporting a backbone, you're likely to find your good posture further improved by her words, which somehow managed to simultaneously be fun and serious. Early bits, such as using J. Edgar Hoover's social security number as your own and wearing garlic to your next IRS audit, provide sorely needed laughs during mirthless times. Item number 26 sheds great insight into the paranoia of law enforcement. Given that I am an incorrigible firebrand, my favorite part of this hearty collection of ascending resolve is found predictably towards the end, dealing with nasty times and nasty people. And this is where Miss Wolf shines. Items 93, 99, and 101, for example, are among the book's finest gems. It's easy to make a reader chuckle loudly or ponder deeply, but her book made me do both. And that's what makes it such a joy. A male admirer of Ayn Rand once called her a very courageous man to her stunned delight. I would apply this compliment to Claire Wolf, as she is one of the bravest men I know. We are very fortunate indeed to have such a clear, practical voice so late in the game when tyranny, supported by cowards and fools, once again reigns over the free and the brave. Now I will tell you, this was written... 1999 nearly 24 years have completely gone by and we are worse off there is no active resistance there is no significant pushback there is indeed the continued slouch towards absolute tyranny and while I do what I can. And while there are several other people out there with me doing what we can, we can't do anything if we don't win the people over. We can't impress our foes if we can't even show up to a fight. And while I may disagree and still think there is a way to deal with this in the system, if you're not willing to at least consider action outside of the system, what's the point? Because sooner or later... We're going to have to make that decision. Better to have a thought about it now than to get caught up in it later. And with that, it is Friday. Enjoy your weekend. And until then, I will see you on the other side.